Today's program is brought to you by Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing, taking place on Saturday, June 18th at Nettle Meadow Farm. For more information, visit NettleMeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, MeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening and welcome to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And I'm Rachel Jacobs. And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey of all things fermented. Archived on Stitcher, iTunes, and right here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. It's been a really fun week. It's been Mead Week here in New York City. That's right. Which uh, is uh, it's just a celebration of all things mead. Uh, we have a couple new people to market. We have a bunch of places that are serving mead. We want to promote mead and just increase the conversation about mead. We really love mead. As for man about it. Yeah, and then there was the uh, <laughs> the uh, National Homebrewers uh, Guild had the mead meetup, I think, uh, last week. Also. The, the New York, New York City, City. I'm sorry, New York City Homebrewers. Which, which is I went basically to. national. You know. Mary went to, and I, I could. I, I, I brought my my I new little um, not so Viking horn to <laughs> drink meat. At, it may be per, perhaps inappropriately drink meat out of, but it, so uh, well, only because I got because you know actually at the settlement museum in Reykjavik, I, yes. we bought a, a little. Viking horn. It's kind of shot glass size, maybe a little bit larger than shot glass. It's a perfect sample meat yes, sampling. That's nice. true. I also bought little tiny shot glass size uh, plastic cups with me to the mead meeting because when you're sampling mead and you have to meet your boss early the next morning, <laughs> you have to be cautious. Did you have any uh, meads that were worth the risk? Absolutely. Anything really interesting? That you so remember? I had Phil, Phil Clark broke out his last bottle of durian no mead. Way. Oh yes. my god! <laughs> so I had this mead probably. Nine or ten years, yeah. nine years ago, I'm guessing. Yep. Um, one of the earliest mead meetings that I went to. Maybe the earliest one. It could have been ten years ago. That would be my first mead meeting. When that guy brought the whole drawer of bees with him to Burp Castle. Uh, yes. Which is the tiny bar that the New York City Homebrewers Guild meets in. And anyway. they let him bring the bees in. Yes, and it, this, um, the sleeve of drawer of bees is on this wobbly table that people keep like you know, kind of shakes as people go by. As the night grows. Yes, it was very interesting. But the bees did not escape. They stayed contained. Anyway, so Phil Clark made a durian meat. I don't know why. I don't remember the backstory of why he made it. But of course, I'm one of the few people... Well, part of it that was loves durian. Part of it was curiosity. For yes. it. He loves Asian culture, and, and and he doesn't really love durian. But one of the things when you enter competitions, if you use an ingredient that is not traditionally known ingredient, you also get to send in a description of that ingredient. And in Wikipedia, when you look up durian, it says I uh, think it something like along a the rotting lines. corpse. It yeah. says like it has the distinct smell of of pig shit or pig feces. Pretty much, <laughs> oh. it goes goes that thing. And so, supplementing his entry to all the judges was the description of durian. And so he got all these judge judge sheets back that all said, yep, smells like pig shit. Yep. So he doesn't like durian. He likes the idea of durian. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He likes yeah. forcing it upon us. It held up, though. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it had fate. Faded. Also, you, you mean it was last... just as bad as the first time I had it? Well, I don't remember. And since I've met, made durian short mead since then, that's my most recent memory of, of durian yeah. mead. Well, after 10 years, maybe the alcohol overtakes 
the uh, the taste of durian. Yeah, although I like durian, so I did. I found it. I, I was very pleased that Phil brought it and that I got to taste the final bottle, you know, nine to ten years after <laughs> the original run. Um, but, yeah, Nagley brought a lot of really good meads. Um, there were a lot of good meads there, actually. And I hear the guest was incredible. It's true. But before we get to that, there's a couple things going on that aren't mead-related here in New York City. Joshua Bernstein, myself, and Tyson Ho are putting on an event on June 18th called a Solstice Session at Arrogant Swine. It's a bunch of uh, summer uh, session beers, nothing hopefully more than 4.5 or 5%, um, and whole hog barbecue uh, if you go to joshuambernstein.com, you can find out information on that. Also, a week after that, we are celebrating Kelso's 10th an- year anniversary at the brewery at Kelso, and we're going to have a lot of beer, a lot of stuff that's in the barrels. I'm, I'm busting out, and it's, it should be a very fun day. And that's happening around the block from another really fun event called uh, New York City Brewers Pro-Am uh, at Covenhoven, uh, put on by Bitter Nesters and our friends Robert Sherrill, John Lapala, uh, and basically they've paired up uh, homebrewers, pro brewers, um, to do a pilot batch on their on the pro brewers system or their bitter nesters, uh, and they serve that alongside a couple of the regular beers from from the pro brewer, and it's just a really great great session. And uh, there's a people's choice, and whoever's whoever of those pro am combos wins gets to make that beer or a beer of their choice uh, collaborative on the pro system. And uh, it's a really fun event, really great event. It's the third year running. It's worth checking out. If you keep in touch with Bitter Nesters at bitternesters.com, you can find out more information about that. Back to that guest. Wait. No. Wait. Oh. Homebrew Con, the National oh, yeah. Homebrewers Conference oh, yeah. 2016 is coming up. So I think you can still actually register for it. It's in really? Baltimore, Maryland in a two and a half weeks, yes. right? No, a week and a half. Okay. Two and a half weeks. June Eighth night. Yes. Um, Two and a half weeks. Yep. So I will be speaking. (laughs) Uh, My seminar is actually from 3.15 to 4.15 on Thursday called Trouble-Free Tart Beers, Alternative Souring Methods. And then I will be doing a book signing on Saturday from 12.30 to 1.30. So please come and say hi. Uh, To Chris and I will be wandering around the conference the rest of the time. I'll likely have a shirt with my name on it. That's true. Uh, we'll have a brew. We'll have a booth at Social Club as well. Anyway, we'd like to say hi to as many of you that come to NHC. We're going to be walking around. My parents are coming. Are you going to walk around with your Viking drinking horn? Probably not. I'll be back to the shot glasses. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we welcome on a guest, uh, I actually have a thing for Mead Week. Um, I brought in this cookbook. It's called the Vilna Vegetarian Cookbook. It's from Lithuania in 1938. And included in the cookbook, along with the, ro- the uh, normal recipes, are recipes for wine and mead, for homemaking mead. Now, this is uh, not an exact uh, science cookbook, so it calls like it calls for 16 cups of, quote, the best bee honey, and uh, also two pounds of sugar, uh, and two cups of dark brown caramelized sugar, and then it also tells you to take a stick to measure the height of water in a pot, and then mark the stick... <laughs> And then cook until it is like below that. It's it's really funny. <laughs> so it's like, and then it tells it you to add <laughs> yeah. And then it tells you to add brewer's yeast, um, and then just leave it in a, a corner for a couple of days, and then strain it through a woolen bag, and then tie muslin around it and keep it in a warm place for a week, and <laughs> and then maybe put it in your cellar for later. 
it's not exact at all. I love this recipe though, but that's a really that's a pretty good... crazy recipe though. Honey, sugar, and caramelized sugar. caramelized sugar, which is uh, is that like brown sugar? I think yeah, any use all sorts of different brown sugar. But yeah, and it also tells you to add hops. Actually, oh, it okay. also says half a tablespoon of hops. Well. <laughs> it's a very uh, interesting recipe. I don't know if anybody wants to try it, but uh, yeah, I should check out the Villanova Vegetarian Cookbook for that. They have some very interesting recipes, including raisin wine, which I guess is just rehydrated grape wine. I don't know. Mary's got a really awesome face on her head. <laughs> She's got a face raisin for wine. Raisin wine. Raisin wine. She wasn't really feeling that. Since we started this show, uh, we've been trying to get this guy on this show uh, ever since, but life is just really, really busy for everybody, and there's for good reason. He's been incredibly successful at the things he does because he makes absolutely delicious liquid, is very thoughtful, very mindful, very sharing with his knowledge, and and, uh, is just an all-around beautiful cat. Sergio Motuel, are you on the line? No. Sergio of Melavino. Hey, what's going on, guys? (laughs) How you doing, man? We, we are really excited that you're able to join us today, uh, on, uh, be it by phone. Um, thank you for all that you do. And we know you quite well, but we want to share your story with the world. And uh, so we're going to start at the beginning. Yeah. So you have, um, is it the only meadery in New Jersey right now? Yep. Yep. Still, yeah, the first and still only. Oh, my God. And how long have you guys been around? Uh, officially open for business a little over a year and a half, actually. You started as a as a as a home brewer uh, on the beer side first. What got you into mead, and uh, what was the journey? Why why mead? Well, yeah, the funny thing is, uh, yeah, I started making wine at home. Um, you know, I kind of came from a background where we made, you know, my family made wine every year at home, and uh, so I kind of carried over that tradition as an adult, and eventually started making beer as well. I really, I was, I got really into the beer brewing side of things just because it had so much more creativity around it. So I got really involved in that, and eventually I just stumbled across Mead for the first time on you know one of the homebrew sites online, and I kept seeing all these people talking about you know doing this and that with honey and orange blossom and clover and all these fruits, and I said, what the hell are they doing with honey? And I just looked into it and gave it a go and. I fell in love with it, man. It was uh, it was kind of like since meat is very similar to winemaking, uh, it was everything I was familiar with on the winemaking side of things. But it had all the creativity that brewing beer brought to the table uh, that I love so much, and it's just it's been an awesome you know it was the perfect fit for me basically. How long were you making mead before uh, before starting Melovino? Oh, about two years. About two years. <laughs> oh wow, that's very fast. To, to yeah, go straight about into two it. years, yeah. <clears throat> and and part of the the impetus for then maybe starting Melovino, I mean, being the uh, how. So a, that was a year and a half ago when you started Melovino. How much mead did you see in the market, at least on shelves in New Jersey? You don't see too much, um, to be honest. You really only see like the you mostly see the more generic stuff and the Vikings blood, uh, basically. But. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really hard in Jersey. It's really hard to find mead, and even when you do, it's it's even harder to find good mead. Right. So, I definitely saw there being you know a really great opportunity with you know not only obviously opening a physical meadery within the state, but trying to bring you know some more really great mead to the state as well. 
What was that process like as far as bringing, I mean, the state was not ready for a metery, and I believe the legislation wasn't necessarily in place as far as defining it. What was that yeah, like? Tell us a little bit about the New Jersey laws um, <laughs> concerning mead and uh, or oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's it still doesn't really accommodate mead very well, to be honest. So I've I've actually been uh, I was actually just down in Trenton last week on Thursday to testify on you know in favor of a bill that's currently going through legislation to, to create an official metery license in the state of New Jersey. Uh, but I mean, this all started about three years ago, where basically I was uh, I was trying to open a meadery, and when I called down to the Department of Alcohol and Beverage Control, they really didn't have much of an idea of what mead was exactly. And I explained it to them, and they basically you know told me that you know number one, our winery license really only covers wines that are fermented from grapes or other fruits. And to apply for a winery license, you actually actually have to have a minimum of three acres of land to even qualify for the license. So I said, you know, I don't need three acres of land to open a meadery. Um, you know, it's, a lot of bees. You know, so you know, we uh, I just I I got a meeting with the director of the Alcohol and Beverage Control Board. Um, you know, back then and. I did a really good job convincing them that meat is different, meat is uh, on the rise, and, you know, meat is needed in the state of New Jersey. And uh, lo and behold, it worked, and we were issued a, a special permit to, you know, produce meat in the state of New Jersey. So that's what we've been working off of since then. They essentially, the, New, the state of New Jersey essentially gave us a hall pad. That's exactly what we have, uh, for lack of a better term. And But now we're basically trying to you know, break down the wall and create an, an official meadery license so that way other meaderies can actually open up without having to go through, you know, all the troubles that uh, that we did. From what, from what you know uh, nationally, is, is New Jersey alone in this? Is New Jersey what? I'm sorry? Is, is New Jersey alone in, in, uh, in being Not behind? recognizing mead as right. kind of a, a license. Well, oh yeah. I mean, every other state Mead falls under their winery license. Gotcha. So, yeah, and that's that's kind of like the main point I've been trying to make uh, make to the states. And uh, you know, yeah, if I hop over the outer bridge, which is 15 minutes from my house, I can open up a winery, you know, in a warehouse. If I go, you know, 45 minutes west, I could be in I could be in Pennsylvania and open up a winery in a warehouse. You know, any other state in uh, uh, you know a meadery. Is a is a state winery and they can operate out of a warehouse. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! What what kind of meads are you making currently? Oh, a whole bunch of different meads. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, <laughs> I think we just released we just released four new recipes this past Saturday. I think we're at number thirty five as far as how many meads we've created in the past year and a half. That's great. Um, yeah, there's not many meaderies that have like. A crazy amount of variety, so we we really take pride on that. We're always, I'm a, I already have my like almost 80th formula and label approval already done with the federal government, so it's like we're way ahead as far as recipes that are coming up. Um, but um, yeah, I mean we make everything, man. We make everything from dry, off dry meat, uh, semi sweet to sweet. You know, meats with spices, meats with fruit combinations of fruits and spices. I mean, you name it. Um, 
Yeah, you name it, we've we've made it. What's uh, your most popular mead? Our our number one bestseller by far has been, and it's a seasonal, so we have to wait every you know until the fall to uh, to make it every year. But it's our we call it nicest pie, and it's uh, it's a mead that we ferment. Uh, you know, instead of diluting the honey into water like you normally would for a mead, we dilute it into freshly pressed Jersey apple cider, and then we ferment all the honey and cider together and. You know, and I get the cider from uh, a local cider mill right by the meadery, about 35 minutes away. And uh, I rented a U-Haul, and I threw a 300-gallon tote in the back of a U-Haul, and I drove over there, and they freshly pressed <laughs> all the cider and pumped it right into that tote in the back of the U-Haul. Then I drove back down the highway with 300 gallons of apple cider in the back of the U-Haul. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, pumped it all back into a tank at the meadery and, you know, fermented it all together with the honey. And then uh, we aged it on Vietnamese cinnamon and fresh vanilla beans. It, it literally is it's apple pie in a glass. There's no exaggeration when I say that. <laughs> I love it. Sergio, we're about halfway through the show. We're going to take a quick break and come back with you on Foment About It. Yeah, sure. Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing is a celebration of good food and beverages in the newly restored Barn Loft event venue at Nettle Meadow Farm in Thurman, New York. On Saturday, June 18th, come sample and savor, then buy your favorite cheeses and beverages to take home. Nettle Meadow cheeses have been praised highly in national media and have won prestigious awards from the American Cheese Society. Taste samples of goat and sheep cheeses paired with an array of local regional wines, beers, and ciders. You'll never forget your first sample of rich, creamy Kunick, Nettle Meadows' trademark cheese. In Esquire, our very own Ann Saxelby said, Kunick, it may very well be the sexiest cheese in the USA. Nettle Meadow Farm is a goat and sheep dairy and cheese company in Thurman, New York, just below Crane Mountain in the Adirondacks, between Gore Mountain, North Creek, and Warrensburg. It's owned and operated by Lorraine Limbiase and Sheila Flanagan. Both have a great love of animals, artisan cheese, and the unique challenges of farm life. Nettle Meadow Farm was originally founded in 1990, and it's the home of over 300 goats, dozens of sheep, and a variety of farm sanctuary animals. Again, the Cheese and Spirits pairing is Saturday, June 18th. For more information and tickets, visit NettleMeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, MeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. Welcome back to Foment About It and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are on the phone with our good friend Sergio, Mel- Mel- uh, Sergio Motella uh, from Melovino Craft Meadery in Vauxhall, New Jersey. Sergio, thank you again for joining us tonight. Um, we're really excited to have you and really excited to talk to you about how you make your meads. Um, everybody's got their different styles and certain things they, they, they live by. Um, you already mentioned that as as a as a home brewer, you enjoy the experimentation and the many different ways you can go. But is there a fundamental, uh, any sort of principles that 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 you abide by? 
Uh, really quality in, quality out, I think, is the, the biggest uh, tip anybody can really get as far as making great mead. Um, you know, my first two batches of mead, uh, five, you know, four or five years ago were terrible. And, you know, that's because I had some, like, subpar honey and, you know, subpar yeast and subpar recipe. And, you know, everything about it was, um, was subpar, and that's sure, sure enough how it came out. I mean, um, I think obviously the, the number one ingredient in making mead, as far as quality, it's the honey, obviously. So, I mean, the, the, the better the honey, if you get it direct from a beekeeper, uh, you know, right, right after it's harvested off the comb, or you buy from another reputable source, like a true source certified honey supplier, I mean, you get top quality honey, and you follow a few simple steps as far as the fermentation process goes and a little temperature control. I mean, you can make some really, really great product, um, you know, even on your kitchen counter like I used to do in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do uh, like a faster process mead. A what? I'm sorry? Like a, you don't do a, like an, you do a faster process mead, correct? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of put together my own nutrient regimen. So basically, you know, the, the shortest time frame or turnaround time for, for most commercial meaderies is three to four months. You know, we're, we're able to actually turn around batches of meat in three to four weeks. And that's because of this nutrient, nutrient regimen that I've actually just applied to all of my mead making now, which before... Most mead makers, home, you know, hobbyists and even commercial mead makers, mainly, mostly, it was everybody was using this Stagger uh, uh, Nutrient Edition, um, which is almost kind of a little cookie cutter of a um, of a method of adding nutrients to your mead. And you want to add nutrients to your mead, particularly nitrogen, uh, since honey is very deficient in nitrogen, and that's a very important uh, nutrient that uh, the yeast will need for healthy fermentation. So you have to supplement and add uh, nutrients in during fermentation process. So I've de- developed my own, which is, it's actually been coined uh, TASNA, which stands for Tailored Organic Bagger Nutrient Edition. So most, uh, most meat makers, they're adding, uh, they're adding a, a nitrogen source, which is an inorganic form of nitrogen that uh, definitely works and kicks off fermentation, but creates a lot of spikes in the fermentation, raises the temperature, um, also is more vulnerable to creating like some like sulfide uh, compounds out of the fermentation process, get a little rotten egg smell. So we, instead we use all organic form of nitrogen uh, as far as the nutrients that we use. And, um, we actually tailor how much nutrient we add to each batch of mead based upon certain criteria as well. So it's not just a cookie cutter nutrient regimen. It's it's a specifically tailored and organic uh, nutrient regimen for each individual mead that you make. And yeah, we've we, we're we're fermenting 14 percent in seven to nine days. Wow. And um, you know we can we can cold we normally have to cold crash to stop it. Otherwise, it'll just keep going. <laughs> and um, we'll have to cold crash in. Then we obviously we filter it all the way down to sterile, and uh, we still add sulfites and uh, and sorbate uh, just to prevent any ferment other fermentation in the bottle. But um, yeah, there's only one other meadery that I know of that 
able to make, uh, produce, you know, high quality and proven, you know, award winning mead in three to four weeks. And they've been open for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, let's let's ask about these awards. So, yeah. so I was there at the New York City Homebrew Homebrewers Guild meeting that you just spoke at last Tuesday. So I yeah uh, yeah. So t- yeah, tell us a little bit about your award winning. Oh man, <laughs> um, it's it's been a really crazy uh, time. I mean, in a year and a half, just over a year and a half, we brought home. I think I was counting the other day thirty three medals or like international competitions. <laughs> Right on, man. And it's been like, you know, the biggest, you know, two of them were, you know, from the biggest meat competition in the world, uh, another another few, well, I said two well, two times, um, you know, back-to-back years at the biggest meat competition in the world. I think we won a total of eight, yeah, eight medals from that competition. We brought home a total of 13 or 14 medals from uh, the second biggest meat competition in the world. And we also, um, I came up with a crazy idea, which, and I told the guys at the meter, I said, wouldn't it be cool if we could win an award from a wine competition? So we found one of the biggest in the country. It was the Indy International Wine Competition, and they actually had a honey wine category. So we sent them these, and they only, there were close to 100 commercial honey wine entries. Uh, they only awarded 19 awards, but we won 13 of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> <And Awesome. laughs> So that was pretty neat. Um, you know, if I we finally got to the point where I bought a display case to put all of our awards up on the wall at the meadery, our tasting room, and then we just recently just won another nine medals, and I'm like, great, <laughs> yeah, like, they're not going to fit in here now. <laughs> You're like a full time person on staff, just like entering competitions. <laughs> so tell us, so you have another website called Mead Made Right. Yeah. And we can go there to find out more about the Tazana effect and get, get, get more specifics on, on some of these that include also recipe guides. Yes, yeah. And, yeah, that's the best uh, that's the best piece of advice as far as getting all the details on Tazana. I mean, it gets pretty detailed and a lot of numbers and calculations. I mean, it's pretty simple, but it's definitely way too much, uh, way too much technical data to be spit, trying to spit over and explain over over, uh, you know, a podcast. Yeah, yeah. of course. But of it's course. a great resource, yeah. especially for those people that are, you know, are are in a different part of the country and can't buy your meads, but are into, you know, maybe have gotten into mead making. Even a lot of people who've made mead a long time have not, you know, these are great techniques to try, and you make some delicious mead. So I, yeah, I think you. it's a great, great website. So I want to ask, what what's probably the most unusual mead that you've made so far? <laughs> Interesting question. I don't know. I mean, we make so many unusual uh, types of meads, but right. uh, I mean, I don't know. There's there's one that a lot of people always like, kind of tilt their head and go, huh? Like, um, but I mean, it's not that uncommon in the mead world. But uh, so there's coffee mead out there, okay. which a lot of people think, wow, you know, I never would have thought of mixing coffee into a mead or you know, coffee and honey. But it definitely does work. But we we actually created we made the first ever espresso infused mead, and uh, it's called All Night Long. I tasted some of it on oh Tuesday. Yeah, it's that mead. It's it's pretty. It's almost like transcended. It almost kind of stops being a mead and turns into this like a whole other thing. Um, it's it's pretty cool. But um, 
I don't know. We we've we've experimented quite a bit with different recipes. We have a we have a recipe that we're actually about to make um, called uh, King of Kingston. And you know, I was listening to some Bob Marley at the at the meadery one day, and I said, "We we got to make a Jamaican inspired mead somehow." And uh, so we're making it. It's called King of Kingston. It's a it's a spiced pineapple mango mead aged on some really nice dank hops, and uh, the spice is actually jerk seasoning. Ooh. <laughs> nice. Oh, that yeah. sounds fun. That's very yeah. interesting. Hopefully, we will see that in New York City. So you guys are just right. starting to distribute here, right? right? Yeah, yeah, we just actually today was technically, it's technically the, the official launch of Melovino products into uh, New York. Did yeah. you say today? Today. Yeah. Oh my God, we got to go out and get them. <laughs> yeah. Do you uh, know yeah, some? Uh, yeah, our, uh, our distributor, Remarkable Liquids, out there is, uh, there is, these guys are awesome. I drove up to Albany last week on uh, Friday to meet with their whole sales, uh, sales staff. Educated them all on mead and Melovino, what we're all about. And I mean, had them taste everything, and uh, I mean the whole sales team is so pumped uh, to be, you know, getting Melovino product all over New York State. So we're pretty excited. It is. It we is are too. So yeah, we, we are here. Too. Yeah, where can where can we get some in New York City? Do you know um, <laughs> any places? Uh, no, not yet. But they'll, they'll be sending me a list as the uh, the account starts to build up, uh, and then I'll end up having a. Well, I, we already have a page on our website at melovino.com. Uh, it says find some, uh, where you can plug in your zip code, and it'll tell you the closest place uh, that you can find some melovino at. Okay, but, um, yeah, once they start building up the list, they'll, they'll send me over that info, and you can easily find uh, your co- the closest spot to you guys over there. And you're going to be putting out, so you have bottled product, but you're also going to, you're doing now or you're going to do some draft? Yes. Yeah, we're just about to start doing some draft Ooh. stuff now. And those yeah, are, so we have, yeah, talk a little oh, bit about yeah, that. how does that work? Yeah, so we're we're going, so here's something I experienced, which uh, which was like, you know, we got invited last year to pour at the Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival, which was awesome. Uh, we also got invited to pour at uh, the Central Jersey Beer Festival and the Wildwood Beer Festival. And then... Basically, after each event, what would happen is we were, we, were, we were taking kegs of our, you know, 13, 14% alcohol mead. And, um, I mean, we were kicking every keg that we took to every event. And then the, the invoice would go out to the event organizers, and they would go, holy smokes, this is a lot of money. You know, they're, they're used to looking at, you know, beer keg prices. And now they're looking at something that's made from honey, which is the most expensive sugar source in the world. And on top of it, it's 14% alcohol. Of course, it's going to be way more expensive than your beer, uh, you know, kegs of beer. So, you know, they stopped inviting me, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you know what? Maybe a really cool idea would be to get into, like, the whole, you know, lower alcohol, slightly carbonated, you know, uh, more of a session mead or short mead. Um, so, you know, we're going to start doing that, and we have a few different recipes that we have planned. And I think this is going to be a really cool thing to also attract craft beer drinkers, you know, into mead a little bit. It's like, I think it would be a really easy bridge for them to, uh, to cross from going from craft beer to like, you know, like a low, like a 6%, you know, slightly carbonated mead, uh, you know, maybe right off, you know, right on tap at your local tap house. But... 
I, I think that'll be um, that'll be a really cool uh, plan and project for us to start doing. Um, and we have a few different recipes that we're planning on doing. We're releasing a it's, one is going to be a, a blackberry black pepper mead. Ooh. Uh, the other is going to be a hopped grapefruit mead which I'm personally looking forward to because I'm going Schaffer Hoffer on it, basically. <laughs> um, which is one of my guilty pleasures. Um, Schaffer Hoffer with gin is also amazing, by the way. Um, and then we're also making, uh, we've been experimenting with some sour meats as well. So I was going to yeah. ask you about that. So are you, are you willing to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm willing to talk about it. So, yeah, so we've, I have uh, three experiments going on right now. Two of them are still basically just kind of like waiting for something, uh, some kind of result. But um, the first experiment we put through was um, we had, we basically got our hands on a strain of lactobacillus that was isolated from a gun culture. So if, 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 those, don't, if those of you that don't know what a gun culture is, it's, it's basically kombucha. But it's a, a different uh, different variant. So a kombucha, with kombucha, you make or you use a scoby, which is a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast, which likes fermenting black tea and raw sugar. Uh, a gun culture, basically kind of the same principle as kombucha, but a gun culture is actually just all bacteria. There's no yeast in it, and it prefers fermenting green tea and honey as the sugar source. So. We had the, the, the strain of lactobacillus within this gun culture that actually prefers fermenting honey uh, isolated and cultured and sent to us, and we were able basically to pitch it into a batch of mead and allow it to do its thing, uh, which is pretty neat. Uh, and that's so, the one that you, know, you brought. That's the sample bottle that you brought to the meeting, right? Yes. Yeah, yep, I brought a sample bottle of that, which was incredible. You know, yeah. In one week. I mean, it, it dropped the pH quite a bit. It did drop it down to 2.7, actually, um, ah. when I took a reading after, you know, eight days. But uh, as far as, you know, any update, as far as that goes, it's kind of like stuck. It's gone as far as it's going to go. It's not going to create much more alcohol. Uh, it, it basically got up to about 2.76%. Uh, and I think that's as far as it's going to go because the pH has got so low. <laughs> Then so, are you, you going to experiment with adding yeast to those? Yes, yes, yeah. That's that's the next step for those. So that you know, like I said, these are all like totally first stage experimental. Uh, so I wanted to see what that lacto would do, and you know, and how far it could go just on its own. Uh, so I did. I saw that. So now we're going to add some yeast, and a lot of the yeast uh, start fermenting the rest of the sugars in there, and then uh, see what we get out of it. But now we also have. Basically, we got we got our our hands on a culture of all the different bacteria or ten different bacteria from the actual Jun culture. Uh, so now we're not just talking lacto; we're talking you know there's a little bit of everything in there, but there's a good amount of Brett, lacto, Peiococcus. Uh, so we actually just pitched that into two new batches. Uh, one with it's just a traditional orange blossom honey uh, from Florida uh, that we used. Um, um, you know, diluted into the water, and we pitched the the whole sour, you know, sour mead culture from that junk culture. And uh, the other one, basically, we the same thing except we actually added, um, we made it a raspberry mead. Uh, so we said, you know what, we had we had a we had a whole liter 
of that culture, I said, might as well just pitch it into two five-gallon batches. So we made our raspberry meat on the side. So if this whole sour meat experiment really works in our favor, I was going to definitely start going into the whole sour fruit meat side of things as well. So I figured might as well just do it now and see what happens. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely. So, yeah, a little, like, framboise kind of style uh, <laughs> style meat that, that might be pretty interesting we'll see how it comes awesome. out that that was those are those two were just put together on uh on saturday oh wow that's yeah that's awesome so, you you've been very active also with the american mead makers association how old is the american mead makers association how do people get involved do you have to be a, a producer to be involved and and uh how can we all contribute to popularity of mead yeah, so I'm oh, um, glad you brought that up. Yeah, I'm on the board of directors for the American Mead Makers Association. And, yeah, right now at the I've been very involved in trying to, like, build the presence, especially the online presence, trying to also build upon membership. I'm the, I'm the chair of the membership committee for the association. I'm also on the technology committee. And, you know, doing a little, almost a little bit of everything, to be honest. And... We're basically just trying to, you know, the whole mission of the association is really just to not only educate people, you know, the general um, population on what mead is, but also putting money into research to learn more about mead and, you know, the, the, everything that goes behind the actual science, behind the actual mead making. We've, we've partnered with the um, uh, Robert Mondavi Institute, uh, Wine Making Institute at UC Davis. You know, so we have a partnership with them and getting a lot of research done as far as the deep side of things go. And, um, you know, and basically just trying to build a community, um, you know, or expand upon the meat community uh, all in one place, uh, mainly through the website. You know, we have our, our home meat making forum, our, our commercial meadery forums on the website. We have a ton of resources. Um, we're also planning a whole slew of different things, actually, we have a, our monthly meeting is actually tomorrow afternoon, and I'm, I'm actually going to be talking about and pitching to the board uh, a pretty awesome idea that I'm hoping we can actually make happen, hopefully by sometime next year. Uh, but, um, you know, I don't want to release too many details <laughs> as far as that goes yet. Yeah. But, but, yeah, as far as being a part of it, uh, you don't have to be a commercial mead maker. Uh, but uh, you could be you could be a home brewer or literally just a fan of mead that really wants to help um, the mead industry and the and the hobby of making mead uh, just by going on to you know the um, you know meadmakers.org or it's mead-makers.org and um, you know you could join right there with an individual membership and have access to a ton of cool stuff which we're always building upon as well. And but, that's a um, really, really reasonable membership rate of thirty bucks. Yeah, it was thirty. Yeah, thirty dollars for an individual membership. Not bad. And even even for the commercial, you know, the corporate uh, level account for a commercial meter, it's like two fifty. That's not bad at all either. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and especially on the corporate side of things, it's the coolest part about it is you have access to ask questions to all the pros. Uh, so even if you're like a metery in planning. Paying that 250 bucks basically gets you a year. Even if you're not a commercial, you know, entity yet, it gets you a whole year of having access to ask, you know, questions to all the pros in the industry, 
anything you want. <laughs> and and they are more than happy to, you know, to respond and help everybody out, uh, especially if they're supporting the AMA that way. Uh, so for 250 bucks, it's a steal because there is such a wealth of information uh, between, uh, between the group of uh, professionals that we have. Uh, just on the board of directors and 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 whatnot, uh, pretty crazy. I wish I wish it existed the way it is today when I was starting off. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And even though you've just started distributing in New York, you do ship to twenty states right now. So a yeah. lot of you who are out there in the U.S., you probably know. I'm sure it's the same states that are allowed. You know that allow wine and everything else. So yes. you can go to melovino.com, and if you are in one of those states, um, you can order uh, Sergio's Meads online, and you have everything from your all night long the cold br- cold brewed espresso coffee infused mead to some you know some of your more standard meads, um, your ghost pepper meads. But that's a way. Please check that out. It's melovino.com. Yep. Yep. And if yeah. you're in New Jersey, you stop right by the tap room. To the, if you click on product, you'll see a list of all the states right there. At yeah. The top, abbreviated for you as yep. to which ones we ship to. Nice and easy. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Sergio, thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. Uh, love to you and the fam, and, and we will see you soon out there in the tasting room. Definitely. Yeah, and absolutely. in the local stores, All right, too. Guys. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, man. Cheers. Thank you so much. The about it. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. You clutch to your burden, her water's a baby.